Okay, well, as I kind of told you guys, well, we're skipping around just a little bit, um, but we're going to be doing uh, Lesson 10 today, which is uh, Silence and Solitude. So the first logical question many of you may be asking is, Jake, last week you took away our food, and this week you're taking away our fellowship. What other good things do you intend to, with, you know, to speak against? Well... It's true that, that topics like fasting and silence and solitude sometimes do run a little counter to the things we're most comfortable with, um, but I appreciate you guys being here, and I hope that it'll be a blessing, and I hope that we'll see um, the usefulness of it. Um, so just to, uh, just to start off with, just definitionally, and again, we're going through the book Spiritual Disciplines by Donald Whitney. When we say silence, the discipline of voluntarily and temporarily abstaining from speaking to seek certain spiritual goals. If your little brother is being annoying and you put duct tape over his mouth and throw him in the closet, he is not practicing the spiritual discipline of silence. It's not voluntary, okay? Um, The other definition we should get out of the way is solitude, which very similarly is voluntarily and temporarily withdrawing to privacy for spiritual purposes. And for both of these, again, the key is that it's voluntary and it's for a spiritual purpose, okay? We could be in silence for all kinds of reasons. We could withhold from fellowship or be alone for all kinds of reasons, but we're specifically talking about these as a spiritual discipline for spiritual purposes. Um, So again, in today's world, when you think about like silence and solitude, we think of sort of, this morning, Reformation Sunday, we're talking about Martin Luther. We think about like the sort of a monkish existence. Um, And I think it's a fair question, you know, we say, are are Christians called to this sort of monasticism? And I would say, we we, we can trace some of these thoughts about silence and solitude through history, because we have the Catholic Church, okay? And the Catholic Church had priests, but it also had monks. It was a position of no little prestige because you're abstaining from all these things to live a more holy and godlike life, ostensibly. And by the Middle Ages, um, society is beginning to uh, divide and fall something along the lines of those who fight, which would be like the royals, knights, nobility, those who pray, i.e. the clergy or monks, and those who work, which is everyone else, the serfs, okay? and we have this kind of a monastic tradition that comes up through um, the church and extends even into this day. But is monasticism, you know, an end for Christians? Is that a godly thing? Is that a New Testament thing? Not what does the world say about it, but is that something that we as Christians ought to be practicing? Thoughts? It's a little, again, it's a little different, but is that, is that a godly thing? Yes, Kevin. Well, I think, uh, especially in our society, whether it's, you look at the Bible or not, I think it's something that we need to practice more often than not. 
um, our society and the kids these days are growing up in a uh, in a situation where they are constantly bombarded with something, mm-hmm. and it's uh, getting to where they can't turn from it, where they need it. And God, Jesus, showed us this the night before he's betrayed. He went away to pray, um, and that's just a very minor example of what we should be doing. I mean, I notice it personally, just driving down the road, you have your radio on all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's been a couple times that I'll shut it off, and there's things that the Holy Spirit can talk to you in those times that if you're bombarding yourself with input, uh, that you can't hear him. So biblically or not, I, I, I can see just the, the reality of the benefit of doing it. That's a great answer. That's an excellent answer. And um, I, I think there is value to it. I think there is some value to these things. And we're going to talk about this, about how the things that fight against it and how we can work to develop those. That's an excellent answer. Yes, Greg. I agree with what Kevin said. However, uh, as to the question of whether monasticism seems like an appropriate thing in response to God, I would say I don't see how, because monasticism is a self um, introspective sort of uh, existence where you're you're thinking about yourself, uh, spending uh, perhaps you're trying to make yourself better, but God created us for to do good works. Well, just denying yourself something, uh, I, 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 I fail to see where that is helping the, the, uh, the, the cause of Christ uh, in, uh, in Christianity or amongst your fellow believers. Uh, I don't see how you can exercise your gifts by holing up in a room by yourself. Uh, so I, I, I think that's, it's, it, we, I can understand why people would do that and think that uh, a holy God wants you uh, to do something like that, but I think it's wrong-headed. I think it leads also to even things like self-flagellation, where you uh, are thinking God is desiring to see you hurt, uh, which we don't see any evidence of that anywhere. It's, yeah. No, and, and that's a great point. And, and, I'm, and it was the perfect follow-up because um, perfect follow-up because I believe here's what we need to do. We need to rescue this idea of silence and solitude. We need to rescue that from the monastic tradition, okay? We need to think of silence and solitude, but not just monks in their chambers alone and in silence. Monasticism the way you know, you've described it there, I don't think there's any way we can defend that from the New Testament because we have the Great Commission. How are you going to go to all nations? Um, how are you going to do these works that God has you know, given you? How are you going to love and serve fellow believers with that lifestyle, okay? However, I will argue that it is godly. The silence and solitude is a godly thing. So, again, not monasticism, but yes, silence and solitude, godly virtues um, that we see practiced by Christ in the New Testament. And some people, to be fair, I think that um, many people have a predilection one way or the other to either be sort of 
more silent and introspective and more of a loner. And some people are extroverts and they like to be around people. They like noise. Um, so the question, which is more Christ-like? I would say both are modeled by Jesus, okay? I don't want to um, provide an excuse for extreme behavior in either way. Ecclesiastes 3, 7 says, it speaks about things in their proper time, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, okay? So if, if, if you're like me and tend to occasionally talk a little, little too much, um, that could that you you could practice that to excess, right? Because there is that balance with the silence and the solitude. However, if you're the kind of person who wants to lock themselves away in sort of a monkish existence, that's I think that's going the other way. And we have I have some examples there in the outline for you. Um, Jesus um, rising in the morning while it's still dark. He goes out to a desolate place. He's all by himself. He prays. Mark one thirty five. But also. Just one chapter later in Mark, he's there with the apostles in a huge crowd. They're gathered in so closely, there's no more room, not even at the door. Um, So we see Jesus in both of these settings. And so in our pursuit of Christ's likeness, I would argue that both of them are wholly appropriate. And that is our goal, is that Christ's likeness, okay? So the best thing to do is to start from examples from Christ in Scripture. And... uh, we see Jesus um, practicing solitude in the wilderness. And we also see Jesus, e- the solitude part of Christ's walk was important enough that he was even willing to send people away if necessary so that he could practice it at times. Example I have for you, Matthew, Matthew 14, um, <clears throat> 22 and 23. And this is Jesus speaking. Excuse me, this is Jesus. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. This is our Lord and Savior who sent the crowds away, sent the disciples on ahead so that he could be alone. Jesus practiced fellowship with his disciples. But we also see Jesus making time, even sending people away if necessary so that he could be alone. In Luke 4.42, we see a crowd that didn't want Jesus to leave. They wanted to detain him, and yet he departed so that he could be alone. And maybe the most poignant example, we see in Luke 22.41, and Kevin, exactly right, before his crucifixion. We see Jesus withdrawing a stone's throw from his disciples and kneeling and praying, okay? So we have these examples of this silence and solitude from our Lord. Um, He regularly sought this silence and solitude. And to me, this highlights both our, our, our paradigm and our need, or our model and our need, if you will, because I think it is, we should always consider that This is something Jesus regularly did. And if our Lord took time and felt the need to be alone and to be in silence, not all the time, but at times, I think that shows that we cannot escape it, okay? There's nobody here in their right mind who's gonna be claimed to be holier or stronger than Jesus. And Jesus took time to be alone. 
and to have silence. But we live in the year 2021. Silence and solitude are a little difficult for us. They're a little like old-fashioned, right? We live in a noisy modern world. It's like fasting. We talked about how like most of the culture, there are places in the world where fasting is regularly practiced. They tend to be in older parts of the world, older traditions. Um, Silence and solitude are a little different. Um, The pace of information in 2021 is staggering, okay? Um, It's been said, you know, that we... We get so much fact, so many facts and so much information that none of it seems to have as much meaning anymore because it's all zipping by on a teleprompter. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Um, uh, if any of you have ever read the book, uh, Amusing Ourselves to Death, it talks about how news now, in order for us to, in order to keep people clicked on the news, the news has to be a show and it has to happen within a very short time frame. One story, the next story, the next story. Or, or we just can't track or we get bored and we switch off. Um, and our culture, we normalize the pandemonium. There's constant noise, there's constant, um, there's constant input, our sensory input of all kinds, music and... and, and uh, Television, computers, smartphones. Um, I, I would argue we have an, a real addiction to noise. And if you don't believe that, try spending some time in the quiet with absolutely nothing. Turn your phone off. Turn the TV off. Go somewhere where you won't be interrupted for five minutes. It will seem, for many of us, like a very long time. Um... And I think that's kind of where the discipline, because we're talking about spiritual disciplines, comes in, because the beginning of us making time is the discipline to turn that stuff down. And um, that can be, it can feel weird. It can even feel very uneasy being alone, because that noise, that cacophony all around us can help keep us from introspection. It can help keep us from thinking about ourselves rightly. It can help, think, help keep us from thinking about our relationship with God rightly. And sometimes when the noise comes down, all these other things get turned up. And you start processing this stuff that maybe you weren't thinking about as much before. And maybe your, your, your prayer looks a little different. Um, but I think it's a godly thing. And I think we see um, Christ doing these things. We must recognize... So, so how, you know, what, what's a motivator for this? We, our time is precious. Ephesians 5.15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. And our, again, our Lord and Savior, part of his time, he marked off to be alone. He took time to be alone. And we don't have unlimited amounts of time. So the, the, the opportunities we have to seek um, spiritual things quietly or by ourselves is limited. So, so it, it, we think of that, our time is precious and we need to make the best use of it. And I think one of the reasons that it's difficult for us to do these things is we, we have 
we want to seek the presence of God, but these, these doubts and thoughts and, and, and things tend to come up when we actually turn the world down just a little bit. Um, and that can be very difficult. So I was going to ask you guys, I, I, I treasure any input. What do you like or dislike about silence and solitude? Maybe it's easy for you. Maybe that's your personality. Or maybe it's something, have you used it as a spiritual discipline? You know, do you have an example of a time when it was useful for you or helped your communion with God? I would love to hear some thoughts. Carrie. I think it can be really easy for solitude and silence to highlight aloneness. So um, sometimes I know that can be a refreshing thing for people. Sometimes that also, like, if you find yourself maybe by yourself or not connected with people as much, that can kind of highlight that. Like, oh, look, there's another opportunity that I'm without or that I'm alone. Mm -hmm. And that can make it tough. I think on the other side, though, it can really push uh, me at least to think about God and that he is always with me and what am I doing in that relationship and so in the void of people or noise or presence of things uh, then it can really highlight God's presence mm-hmm. and push me to maybe pray or talk to him about things or maybe think about stuff that I wouldn't otherwise yes thank you absolutely for me I'm, I'm kind of uh, I'm one of those people Carol get me in just a second here I'm one of those people I said I think like we're addicted to noise I think I put in your notes like where's the music right because we're never in the quiet I'm just like I have so much good music I want to listen to why would I work without I mean at my office we blast the radio you know why would I over my lunch break you know maybe I'll listen to some soothing orchestral piece or you know it's like there's and, but I keep that noise on all day. It's so loud most of the time that, say the, radio, say the radio at work breaks and you have like two or three employees within like 10 minutes be like, hey, where'd the music go? Because even, you know, even that amount of quiet is odd, right? Because we're so acclimated to that, you know, booming noise. And I, I do. I sometimes feel like I'm addicted to noise. Carol. Yeah, I, I have noticed that. At dentist's office, apparently it's impossible to to fill teeth without music and even the TV. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not talking about your office, but where I go, I say shut the TV off. Um, but what I was I, I was going to say, of course, the first thing I'm going to say is is kind of a a plug for my my class after Christmas. But I, I think it's so so important for for us to take that time to be alone because you know i've said before i'm i'm adhd i guess i get distracted so easily and if you get by yourself for an extended some sort of extended period of time then you aren't distracted i was thinking of a couple examples too other than other than jesus um you know the apostle paul before he was able to do what pastor jeremy described in romans today he was out for three years, wasn't he? Out by himself. And, and then I'm thinking of uh, the Apostle John. Not that he made that decision himself, but he was on the Isle of Patmos by himself. And right. we get the book of Revelation out of it, you know. Yeah. And, um, and then you hear of authors, you know, like I remember yeah. reading 
a couple of John Piper's books, and he's talking about how you write it. He got, he got off by himself. He took, they gave him a whole summer off, and he went out and lived in a cabin and because you need that time to reflect. And I don't think that's, that's going to a monastery. That's not going to a monastery. But. No, but, yeah, you're right. Yes, Stacy. Thank you, Carol. A slightly different take on just uh, considering silence, and I think that's in some ways maybe a theme that we've experienced since moving to Iowa, having been in a concrete jungle before we moved here, mm-hmm. and now being in a rural area. Um, we get to experience the beauty of God's creation and living in a place where there is silence. So we can hear things like how um, actually even in the country in the middle of summer, it's not quiet because the bugs are so loud and the frogs are so loud. Mm-hmm. And just yeah. uh, being able to behold God's, God's creation and his glory in that capacity. And that's been um, just such a gift and a blessing to us mm-hmm. to, you know, to see that, that element of, of silence in, in our life. That's, yeah, that's wonderful. And just just getting to enjoy those things in a different way. And it's funny how it takes your mind down different paths of thankfulness or, or yeah, no, that's, that's wonderful. Yes, Cody. Another little take on this, which has been touched on already. Uh-huh. I don't really see it so much as silence and solitude mm-hmm. as going to spend time with the Lord specifically and mm-hmm. nothing else. So something that, that they were talking about over there was the element of, getting away away from everything else that you're used to you know Mm -hmm. following well pretty much what the lord did you know when jesus was desiring the solitude which we all know when he was out in solitude what he was doing was being in prayer being as close to the father during that time as possible away from all the distractions so i think uh just getting away from what you're used to is really beneficial to this one of the things that i've done in the past is just get out into nature Mm -hmm. you know get like the bible says to a desolate place whether it's in like a public park out in the woods really really early before anyone else is coming by or just you know just anywhere where there's no one else get out there and as you're out there pray take your bible i would suggest you know not on a phone, you bring an actual yeah, book, Bible, just out there praying, reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just kind of how I see it. It's not so much just like being alone and just being by myself, doing nothing, you know, just kind of like trying to silence all the noise, but instead focus like a laser on the Lord, mm-hmm. just by praying, reading, just listening, you know. But you find it conducive to be in a place of relative silence. It's much easier to do that because if you try to be, if you try to be alone mm-hmm. and focus entirely mm-hmm. in, like, say, your own house or at your office, there's mm-hmm. always going to be distractions coming yeah. up. You know, not, not even just things coming to you, but you're going to think of other things that are on your agenda as you're in that place. You mm-hmm. know, are there projects that I need to be doing? Mm-hmm. Just yeah. finding it someplace where there's nothing else to distract you like i've said i find mm-hmm. it best to be in nature mm-hmm. somewhere away from everyone mm-hmm. and just focusing into prayer to reading because no, we want yeah. we want to commune with god we want god to speak to us but how does god always speak i've, I've listed a, a passage from uh, 
1 Kings 19, I think this is sort of a, is one of my favorite stories actually, and I think it's very instructive. The prophet Elijah, he came to, verse 9, then he came to a cave and lodged in it, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah's in a cave. He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountain and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. Can you imagine? But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. God communicates with Elijah through a low whisper. The God who's powerful enough to break rocks and manifest fire and shake the earth Elijah heard a low whisper. So I think that it is right and fitting that we seek God in this way and earnestly desire to hear his voice. And and we we want these things, but again, the difficulty is the is is turning down the world around us. Um there are many reasons. I'm gonna move on quickly here because we're running short on time. Um there are many reasons that one might uh Practice silence and solitude. And one that you guys have already mentioned is prayer. It really minimizes distractions in prayer. Um, we see that example constantly. Jesus prayed alone. It also can express worship to God. Habakkuk 2.20, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep, silent, keep silence before him. So we can have this kind of a reverent silence, okay? But God, God is such a great God. And I think there can be a time when we're quietly praying to God, certainly, but there can also just be a time when we're quietly thinking about God. Maybe we're not bringing anything particular before him, but we're just like, I am alone, it's quiet, and I'm thinking about God. And I am thinking about what he is and what he has done, his good work, Think about what it means to be omnipotent. Think what about, about what it means to be everlasting. And here I am, and I'm just thinking about that. Um, another reason we might practice these disciplines is to express faith in God. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. For him comes my salvation, Psalm 62. So I think you can express faith quietly. And there's, a, there's an illustration I was trying to think how this would look, something we'd connect to. Most of you, what? Question? Oh, sorry, Mom, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. (laughs) No, go ahead. I was just going to say that verse that's on our wall above the dining room that says, Psalms Mm -hmm. 4610, be still Mm -hmm. and know that I am God. Yes. So you need to be still or quiet or sit quietly. There's a lot for you. If you're going all of the time, you're not going to see the things that he's put before you or given you or blessed you with. Amen. There's a lot in Scripture about that and and the silence and the solitude. But how how do we express faith in God quietly, okay? 
I think that um, an example, uh, a paradigm that's used a lot is God the Father and we are his children. So imagine like a small child yeah, that's sitting on your lap and they're talking to you and, and they're asking you for things and they're telling you things and they're chat, 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 talking your ear off, you know. And, I love you, Daddy. I love you, Mommy. Daddy, can we have lunch soon? Daddy, can we do this? Dad, you know, and is that child expressing you know, love for you and faith in your ability to provide and protect for them? Of course they are. Now picture the same child, not asleep, but quiet, and just laying their head right here and just sitting quietly, saying nothing. Those rare moments as a parent that we get. Is that child expressing love for you and faith in your ability to provide and for them and protect them? I would argue yes. There is a, that, that beauty in the quiet, that quiet contemplation, that like, God, I'm thinking about you and I know you're there. And I have full faith in you, Lord, in your in the redemption that we have through Jesus, in your word, in your omnipotence, that you control all things, and I am quietly thinking about you, and I know that you can satisfy what I need. So it's two pictures of the same thing, because there are times also, like the kid, when we're very chatty, you know, we have a lot to say, but there's also that time when it's just quiet and sort of contemplative. Um, We may also practice silence and solitude um, to wait for the Lord, to seek the salvation of the Lord, and to wait quietly on God. Um, I've listed some text in there for you. We won't get to all of them today, but um, also to be physically and spiritually restored. In Mark 6, Jesus prescribed rest for his apostles. He told them to take a break. So there is something about silence and solitude that is rejuvenating, okay? As much, much as it helps us to quiet the world around us so that we can seek God, there's something restive, like, like restful about it, where we just... Um, after a little time to yourself, even a brief time, that you feel restored, better focused, um, and, and I think that that's godly as well. It gives us um, a spiritual perspective. It, it, it just, it helps us seek God and His will and helps for just a little while to turn, to, um, turn away from other things that may be perfectly good things in and of themselves, but if they monopolize our time to the extent that we cannot practice these things as Christ did, then maybe we have a maybe there's a, an issue there about how we're working one against the other. Um, and this one again to me speaks to me greatly. Um, this was one of the points that uh, Whitney made in his book. Another reason we might practice silence and solitude is learn how to control the tongue. Um, Proverbs 25.11 talks about, you know, a word fittingly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. When I take time to be alone for a little bit and to be quiet and in the quiet for a little bit, I feel like it helps give me a better appreciation of which words are necessary and when to use them. Because when the words stop for a while... You think about it a little bit more. And um, I think a word fittingly spoken is a wonderful and godly thing. Um, Remember, James says that, you know, someone who can't control their tongue, their religion is worthless. So I think that that silence has value for us in um, 
because if you if 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 you're like me and you tend to chat or talk a lot, and then if you say something incorrectly or say something that you want to alter, the temptation is you'll just fix it by dumping more words. Like you said a lot of words already, now you're just going to dump more words on top of it until eventually you get enough words that the words you said the first time sound better. That's very different from a word fittingly spoken, and I think that... Um, I think that part of this value of silence and solitude is, is to help us um, focus on these things and, 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 and use our words in a godly way, judiciously, as it were. Um, so again, quickly here, because we're, we're running close on time, how would we get started with uh, silence and solitude? And I'm going to steal, pretty much steal all of Whitney's stuff here. It's difficult, so there may be value in having practice short little breaks throughout the day i'm not going to do an hour i'm going to do five minutes okay you'd be surprised how long five minutes would seem um and it's as a discipline it's something that we can work on and and not forgetting why we're doing it okay we're doing this for the purpose to seek god we want to be godly we want to be christ-like and maybe set some small goals like three times this week i'm going to take 10 minutes and be in relative peace and isolation and I'm going to seek God. And then that may lead to longer or more frequent breaks as, we, as, as God uses those things, as, as we find value in them. Um, and, and Whitney's, a point Whitney makes is find a good spot, find a good place. Um, I heard people mention being out in nature. That's a good one. Um, there might be a certain room in your house that works. Uh, just... But I would say don't make it too comfortable because we don't want it five minutes with God to turn into a 20-minute nap, right? <laughs> we notice like Jesus, we see him like going to the top of a mountain. We see him kneeling down. He is alone. He's focusing on God, but he's not like laying in bed propped up with three pillows with a warm, comfy blanket. You know what I mean? There, there's not, there's enough. I mean, we kind of know some of the things that we might do to forestall, you know, our time alone from just turning into, like, nap time. Um, and another thing that I found helpful as, as a parent, the suggestion is trading off daily tasks because we all have a large number of daily tasks that we have to get through. But if um, other believers or, or your spouse, um, if this is an express goal you've made, if you have little goals, I want to start doing this because Christ did this, and here's the reason I want to do it, and I want to do it... For, in a godly way, and I'm going to focus for these purposes, um, then I think it is wonderful to just say, well, how about during this time when I would normally be doing this, will you cover for me? Will you put the dishes in the dishwasher tonight while I have 10 minutes with God? And then maybe tomorrow night, switch. Or you know, so, so there's ways that friends or family members may be able to encourage you by helping you find little moments of time you didn't know you have. And it doesn't have to be a huge thing. It can start off small, um, but these are, are things we may find useful. Um, thoughts. I mean, you know, does anyone have thoughts on, you know, maybe giving this a try or something like, Maybe something you've tried in the past that helped you find an extra moment in the day for this. Dania. Um, I just want to talk about, like, why sometimes I go into silence is because, like, um, 
I go to spend time with God mostly is when something is bad happening. Like there is, there is like trouble, mm -hmm. and like I feel like there is, yeah, stuff that's happening, and mm -hmm. I feel like I need to go to God right away, you know, and go into silence. I think that's to, one, yeah. I think that's to wonderful. To still myself, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what that really helps. Mm -hmm. I like I said. Yeah. Christ, you know, before his trial and crucifixion, you know, sought some solitude. So I think that's a perfectly godly thing to do. Kevin. Well, this might not be as deliberate as what you're trying to get at, mm -hmm. but uh, me personally, and maybe I'll stereotype guys in the room, um, where we compartmentalize. So just as a, a good practice, that I've seen benefits from is if you're used to mowing the yard with headphones on and you're listening to radio, mm -hmm. just as simple as not doing that is a start mm -hmm. because I, once again, I've seen benefit in me not having another input into my brain, mm -hmm. even if I'm working si without any other noise going on that the Holy Spirit can talk to me in those times or something will come to mind that I wouldn't have if I was having that input. Now, I'm not deliberately, like we're talking about, seeking out God mm -hmm. to, to speak to me or to speak to Him, but He uses those times in my life because I'm, I'm not trying to shove something else in my mm -hmm. brain that allows me to be open to receiving something the Holy Spirit can talk to me mm. where I wouldn't be otherwise if I didn't, right. if I was trying to use some other type of input in my mm. brain. And, this, and, and by the discipline of just turning that down, you know, you've, you've been blessed in that way. So that's, that's wonderful. Finding, yeah, a, a normally noisy task, you know, that we can quiet a little bit. You're by yourself. Yeah, I love it. That's great. That's great. So, uh, Anyway, guys, um, like I said, I, I hope you find this useful. And like I said, feel free to look through some of the stuff we didn't get to on the sheet. Um, but, yeah, I would encourage you all, you know, maybe to consider, prayerfully consider finding moments when you can quietly worship and pursue the Lord and, um, as, as Jesus did. So thank you guys for being here. I, I guarantee, you know, like I said, we did fasting. We did silence and solitude. I almost guarantee you next week will be more cheerful, whatever it is. So... Not, not taking anything else away from you guys. But uh, thank you so much for being here. I hope you have a, a nice Sunday.